Roger, good morning. If you are a guest of ours today, I'm so thankful that you are here. I'm uh, not Pastor Jeff. He's in a series in Abraham, and uh, Lord willing, we'll get back to that next week. I'm Pastor Ken Livingston, the associate pastor here, and it's a privilege. Every time uh, I'm allowed to be behind this pulpit, I feel it a great uh, honor and privilege, and I take it very serious. And so I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um, you are loved. Amen? God loves you, and we love you, and uh, glad that you're here. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in person, it's just great when the church gathers together, isn't it? Man, what a blessing it is. It always encourages me so much. We're going to be in John chapter 3 this morning. Uh, we're going to start off just one small little verse, seven words actually. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 30. If you would turn there, it's going to be up on the screen. Here's what God's Word says. John chapter 3, verse 30. John the Baptist says, He must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for this morning and all that has happened, and it is so exciting to be gathered together and, or participate online. Even those who watch this later, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless all of us and teach us through your word. Um, your word is powerful. It is active, and it's alive, and it's able to speak to each one of us where we are. And so I just pray that would happen, Lord. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are open, and mind that's receptive to what you would Teach us through your word today, and Lord, um, I am mindful of the significance of this time that you've given us to study your word, and over thousands of years this was written, and yet it is so relevant for us today. And so I pray that you would encourage us, help, help us to see your magnificence and your majesty, and your power, and your glory today as we uh, look in your word, and help it to change us, and help us in our individual lives to make you more and more a part, and more and more important, and that you would keep us humble, and serving, and, uh, and have the focus all be on your son Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen. <clears throat> we have lots of celebrity pastors these days, and um, usually these men and these women have very large church, like extremely large churches, and they have an online presence, and they're on TV, and they lead, and they speak at conferences, and they write books, and they have podcasts that are really, really well listened to and, and uh, widely heard, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. You know, nothing, nothing's bad about any of that. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist, who was speaking in our text this morning. I want to be clear, just if you're new to this, the, the disciple John, one of the sons of thunder, John wrote the book of John, but what we're talking about this morning in this verse is John the Baptist. And so just be clear with that because it can get confusing. But John the Baptist had a huge following in the days of Jesus, but his purpose was to prepare the way, go before our Lord Jesus. And his purpose was to point people to someone besides himself. And it certainly could have been in temptation. 
humanly speaking, right, to begin to think that he was more important than he ought to have thought about himself. And he could have started to make the focus more about himself. He had large crowds and people really uh, came out to hear him and followed him. Um, And so to take the focus off of Jesus and put it on himself would have been pretty easy for him to do. And humanly speaking, I'm sure that many in the same situation would have taken the bait of fame and fortune and power and prestige that comes along with a huge audience. It even seems like in John chapter 3, just a couple verses earlier than what we read, some people were hanging around John the Baptist and they were kind of frustrated that people were leaving him to go follow Jesus. And so they were kind of encouraging him to, hey, listen, you've got a chance to have a big group here. And in verse 28 of John 3, John the Baptist clearly said, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. I'm not the one who you should be following. So John makes it clear where his focus is, and he declares it in verse 30. And again, it says this, he must increase, that's Jesus or the Lord, right? He must increase, and I must decrease. John the Baptist was clear in his own mind about the focus and the attention and the hope of worthiness, uh, they're all to be directed to Jesus Christ. Amen? As servants and leaders and volunteers here at Wyatt Park, here in our church, our declaration should be the same. I love working with the staff here. I mean, you got to see Ryan this morning. He does a great job and He's doing a great job, and everybody, all the staff, all the men and women who are de- they're here serving and working and determined to do whatever is necessary to serve Christ and his people. And I also appreciate all those who volunteer all around this building in so many different ways. And we see it. When we work here, we get to see people coming and going all week long, volunteering, doing things. It's just, it really is incredible. And so there's so many people that serve on committees, and we have our deacon body, and there's teachers and greeters and security personnel and cooks and coffee bar volunteers, and there's cleaners that keep things looking good, and people are painting during the week, and there's trustees that keep things working all the time. There's men and women who decorate and people who mow, and there's the praise team, which we all appreciate, and we get to see them. Those in the tech team who make sure we can hear everything and see everything like we're supposed to. There's ladies who volunteer in our office regularly, and there's prayer warriors who are behind the scenes, and people who give, and on and on and on. There's so many people that make this thing go and keep it going. But we should be clear in our minds where any and all glory is to be directed. And it's not any of us. Right? And that's why so many of you love to work behind the scenes, and it's, it really does bless us. Uh, you just come in, sometimes we don't even know you're here, and you're just doing stuff, and, and that's the way you want it. But in our minds, right, in our hearts, he must increase, and we must de- decrease. That is a perspective of John the Baptist, and that's how he had, what he had and how he lived, and that should be ours as well. What better can we do than to sink into the background and let others see Jesus more? Let Jesus be the one who is visible. Let him be the one that the focus is put on. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, In the same way, 
Let your light shine before men, before others, so that they may see your good works. And listen, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are doing the work and you're directing all the glory to the, to the Father and to the Lord Jesus. Amen? Uh, what a privilege it is to do that. John the Baptist was somewhat of a celebrity in his day, but he remained humbled and he always pointed people toward Jesus. So, with all that set up, why? Why would we do this? Why must he increase in our lives and we decrease? Well, the focus should always be on the Lord, amen? And that's what I want to talk to you about. If we, I just want us to focus on, and and the praise team, Kathy picked out those songs or whoever, like those were beautifully uh, set up to us focus on him, right? The songs are about the Lord and how amazing he is and how glorifying he is. And um, I think what can happen in our minds is we can get this tendency to think too highly of our own worth and at the same time have a tendency to not give the Lord the credit that he is due. And we just want to make sure, I just want to point us this morning like the songs have done, to just make sure he is increased and we are decreased to put in a proper perspective for us. So what I'd like you to do now is turn to John, uh, from John chapter 3 to Psalm 8, if you would. Turn to Psalm chapter 8 with me as we discuss this issue a little bit more. Psalm 8, we'll start with verse 1. And in your Bibles, if you'll look in your Bibles, um, it doesn't come across in the, in the context that we have on the screen. But if you'll look in your Bibles, there's a difference between these first two lords. Here's what it says. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. In your Bibles, it should say, it should have the first Lord as L-O-R-D, all in caps, and the second is capital L, small O-R-D, and if that's the case, there's a reason for that, because they're two separate words. In English, it's the, we look at it, it's like, oh, they both, they're Lord, right? Lord and Lord, it's the same word, but um, in the Hebrew, which is the original language of this text, they're different words. And you'll see that all throughout the Old Testament. You'll see the word LORD in all caps and then capital L and then small ORD. And so let's talk about that for a minute. The first LORD in chapter one, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, O LORD, all in caps, is literally the word Yahweh, yod Hey wad Hey in Hebrew. Of course, you know, you'll all want to write that down, I'm sure, because it's so important. But it was the name that, God gave himself when Moses was in the wilderness, and we're studying this in Sunday school, and it's uh, so relevant. I I love this. Moses is shepherding uh, some sheep out in a field, and God comes to him, you probably heard about this, in a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed, and so he was kind of taken back a little bit, like, whoa, what's going on here? And God calls out to him and says, Moses, Moses, and so that gets his attention, right? And so then God begins to tell him, listen, I'm going I'm to have you go back to uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt. I've heard the cries of my people. I can, 
you know, they're in distress, and I want you to go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go, and I'm going to give you the power to do that. And Moses is like, uh, you know, he's not too happy about this, and he's a little timid, and he's intimidated, and so he's like, okay, let's, let's just play along with this little game, and let's say I go back to Pharaoh, and I go back to the leaders of Israel, and I say, hey, I'm here to help you out. Uh, God talked to me. Who should I tell them? What, what God, what's your name? Who are you? And that's when God revealed this name, Yahweh, yod Hey, wah Hey. It's the Lord. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in our Bibles. And it's in the Bible over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. And it literally means that the I am that I am. God is the self-existent one, the eternal God. And then later on we find out we call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The God of our Bible is this God who we're talking about, uh, Yahweh. And the children of Israel were so scared to take the Lord's name in vain that they wouldn't even say this name because they were afraid they were going to break one of the Ten Commandments. And so uh, they wouldn't even say his name. And a lot of times we say Jehovah today, um, but the, the name is Yahweh, and it's in capital L-O-R-D. So when you see that in your Bible, it's talking about the personal name of God that he calls himself. And then David, see back there in Psalm 8, verse 1, he says, O Lord, our Lord, and then that's capital L, small O-R-D, and that's uh, in Hebrew, that's Adon, or we say Adonai a lot of times, and it literally means master or owner, the sovereign one, right? And so God is making it clear here uh, through David as he's writing this out, who we're talking about. It's the one true God. So that's who he is. That's his proper name. And his role is our master and our Lord. So David is saying, oh Lord, we know who you are. I'm talking about the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, the Father of Jesus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the I, great I am of Scripture. That's who I'm talking about. And his position is our master, our Lord, our owner, right? So, hey, God, the one true God, you are our boss, you are our master. And so Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I think of majesty as something that's majestic, and this is just me personally, I just think, I think about it in my mind, I think about uh, just a beautiful, the, the most beautiful white horse you can ever imagine, just adorned with all kinds, you know, the, the tail is braided and just everything just is majestic. And on top of that white horse as it's prancing along is a, a king or a queen with just royal robes and just, you know, just majestic, right? Just beautiful and majestic. Are you, are you with me? Or I think about just even in nature um, with the Grand Canyon or other things. I just think about a sunset, right? With just beautiful orange and red uh, shining off the clouds strewn across the horizon. Just, and you just think, wow, that is just so majestic. That's so incredible, and here David is reminding us how majestic is your name in all the earth. But the earth is full of the Lord's majesty. 
Right? So again, remember, we're talking about he must increase and we must decrease. Right? When you compare what he's like to what we're like, it doesn't seem like it's a stretch to do this. The earth is full of the Lord's majesty. But not only that, but the earth cannot contain his beauty and his royalty and his majesty, so it spills out into the heavens above. Again, back in verse 1. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. The earth can't even contain all of his glory. So we're going to talk about that uh, more in just a minute. But uh, just to get a sense of what the author of this song, the psalm is a song of David. He's setting the scene and helping us to see the vast worth and the majesty of our God. Increasing him and reminding us of our proper role compared to him. God is incredible and words cannot do him justice. Look at verse 3 of Psalm 8. Verse 3, David goes on and says, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. (laughs) David didn't have the benefit of uh, telescopes back then or uh, beautifully filmed and high definition televisions watching nature programs. He didn't have that. Uh, But he could still see, even with the naked eye, he could sense the magnificence of the heavens that God created. I'm not an astronomer, but I'm told that there are over 5,000 stars that we can see with the naked eye if you go out in in the night. Over 5,000 stars just with the naked eye. With a four-inch telescope, you could see two million stars. With a 20-inch mirror uh, that they have in the great observatories around, you can see more than a billion stars in the heavens. The universe is so big, and this is hard to even imagine, but the universe is so big that if you were able to travel, and we can't, but if you were able to travel at the speed of light, it would take over 40 billion years to get across our universe that we can determine from where we're sitting. I don't know how they figured that out, but I trust them, it's huge, right? And it's magnificent, and it's glorious, and it's majestic. And with all that in mind, uh, you don't have to just stay in Psalm 8, but just uh, look at this verse out of Isaiah 40, verse 12. The author is speaking, and he says, who has measured, he's talking about God, so God has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked the heavens with a span, and that's between your fingers, right, for your thumb and your finger. God can hold all the world's water, all of this planet's water in the palm of his hand, and the universe that we just mentioned, it would take billions of years to get across at the speed of light. He's like, yeah, that's like, right, to God. I mean, I, I think he's pretty amazing, amen? He's bigger than we can imagine, he should be increased in our, in our minds, and we should be decreased. So look back uh, in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 again. When I look at the heavens, look at this, listen, listen to this. The work of your what? Fingers. <laughs> so in this illustration, you got billions of light years 
uh, between all the stars and you've got all this stuff going on. Uh, this psalm is called the Song of the Astronomer. And, and I just think about like who goes out at night and looks up at the stars and just like, wow, I am so stinking amazing. I am so powerful. I am so big. I mean, who would do that, <laughs> right? We don't do that. It focuses us on the glory of God and the majesty of God and the greatness of God. We quake in our boots at the greatness of it all. And I think of if the creation is that amazing, how much more is the creator? The sun's pretty big, amen? I just think about... <laughs> I just think about how much power that's giving off every second or every day. All the, I mean, it produces so much energy. And yet they tell us that, that there's a star, a, a red supergiant star that's 1,708 times bigger than our sun. 1,708 times bigger than our sun. And David's kind of illustrating this like, yeah, God's like, man, with his, What? His fingers, so to speak, right? We know that he spoke and everything came about, but it, David's kind of just helping us get this perspective. God's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just take this ball of burning gas that's 1,708 times bigger than the sun, and I'm like, I'll put that one there, right? It's amazing. So think back to John chapter 3. That's why I wanted us to think about this this morning. He must increase in our in our thoughts in our minds in our perspective he must increase and i must decrease that's probably how david felt when he wrote that psalm just jump back to psalm 8 with me look at verse 4 just to, i just look at the very beginning of it david's thinking about how the majesty of the the earth and everything that's how glorious everything is how big everything is and again he didn't even he didn't even have a clue how big it really is and so it made david think wow what is man that you are mindful of him david's you know david had a lot of time outside as a shepherd a lot of time to look up at the stars and I'm sure at this moment as he's thinking about how big God is, he's like, wow, God, why, why would you even take note of me? Have you ever thought that before? Like he created everything and then Adam and Eve blow it right, you know, right early on. Like he could have just like a dry erase board. Like if you're writing on a dry erase board and you make a mistake, what do you do? Like, like wipe it out and start over. Like I, I'm wondering, like why would God not do that? And that's what David's thinking, like why why, God, when you are so amazing and so awesome and so glorious and so majestic and so powerful and so big and so holy and perfect, why, why would you be mindful of me? Why would you even think about me and take note of me? With all that you have made, why would you pay attention to me? But God does. God does care. Church, God cares about you. He pays attention to you. 
He watches over you. He even loves you. Wow. Jolene and I have two granddaughters that um, were adopted by their parents after they were fostered for a while. And uh, they live in uh, Texas right now. And these two girls are of Navajo Indian descent. And so they grew up in the Phoenix area, in the Phoenix you know, Valley area, where there's so much, so much happening and so much light in that whole, you know, it's so overgrown, it's just ridiculous. But their biological mother, um, who they were with for a while, had uh, just dramatic um, substance abuse is- issues, and these girls often found themselves um, in really, really really difficult circumstances or even homeless and um, it's not my story to tell and I don't want to go into depth but you can imagine their early childhood and some of the things that they experienced but uh, they are survivors and they had to harden themselves so much from from what they experienced as little girls, they had to put up walls to survive. Are you with me? And so when I was pastoring in Oklahoma, Jolene and I, uh, we have our grandkids for VBS week. We try to do that every year, and they stay with us. And so they came and stayed with us. They were in South Carolina at the time. Uh, They had moved uh, them there after they adopted them. And so they came to Oklahoma with us. And uh, when I was pastoring there, we lived, it was a little country church. And when I say country, I'm saying country. It was out in the country. There was, and we had a little parsonage there. And so we were out in the middle of nowhere. Say nowhere. Okay, so there was nowhere. There was, you know, it was, there wasn't a lot around. And so I remember um, one night after vacation Bible school, I took them out in our backyard. So even the street lights, were, you know, weren't affecting us at all. And um, we went out back in the backyard, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I took them out there, and I had them look up at the stars. I wanted them to see the stars, right? And they were in awe. They were just, they couldn't take their eyes off of what they were seeing. And they were, the stars were so bright. And you could see the Milky Way, you know, the brightness of the Milky Way just stood out. And they had never seen anything like that before. And they were just, wow. And they were in awe. And because of the Phoenix Valley was so light, they had never seen anything like that before. And I remember one of them saying to me as they were looking up at the stars, they said, where did all these stars come from? They'd never seen that before. And I told them that, well, God made them. right? God made them. And they've always been there. They've always been there. You just couldn't see them. On a cloudy day, a cloudy night, right? They're still there, even though you can't see them. And when it's daytime, they're there, even though you can't see them. And so I began to explain to them that that's how God is. God is always there, 
even though you can't see him. And he's always so much more beautiful and majestic than you're aware of, even though you can't tell in the circumstances of your life. I just want to tell you how thankful I am to the Lord and how proud I am for those girls because we have been, <laughs> you pray for your grandkids, if you got grandkids, you pray for your kids. These two young ladies now, I guess I'll call them, they're growing up too fast. But I'm so proud of those two because they've now each trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And in a few weeks, we're going to get to go down and watch them be baptized. Just like these, the three men this morning were baptized and made a public demonstration in front of all of us that, hey, listen, God is my Lord. Yes, he's my Savior, but he's also my Lord, and I want to follow him. I want to walk with him. I want to serve him. They're going to do that. Isn't that amazing? Because finally, you know, God, they were able to see that, yes, God has always been there. And it was hard to find him in a lot of the circumstances, but he was always there. I'm going to have the praise team come up, if they would. And, and I just want to ask you, as we transition into this time of response, like, how about you? Church, how about you? What do you think your next step needs to be? As we focus this morning on the, the majesty and the brilliance and the awesomeness of God, Maybe you haven't been able to see him in your life in all the circumstances that have surrounded your life. You know, some of us create our own issues and some of us have things dropped on us, but maybe you've never known that God's always been there for you. I want you to know that he loves you and he's there for you. Would you trust in him today? The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. He's there. He loves you. He's calling you to come to him. And I would encourage you to do that. Pastor Jeff's going to be in the Welcome Center this morning. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be down here. If the altar's open, I just want you to come, um, pray where you're at, whatever. But if you need to make a decision, if you want to uh, trust in Christ for the first time, Pastor Jeff out in the Welcome Center, I'd be happy to do it here. Um, if you'd like to be a part of this family and make that official, if you th said, well, man, I was inspired by uh, these guys that were baptized this morning. I've I never done that, and I need to do that. Whatever your next step is, would you do that this morning? Would you say yes to the God that loves you so much and is so amazing, uh, more than we can even describe? Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we begin to... Uh, wrap up our time together. It has been a blessing to look at your word. It has been a blessing to be reminded that you do love us and you sent Jesus to save us, to forgive us and to redeem us and to cleanse us and to make us new. And Lord, if we just trust in that, then you will come in and change our, our eternity and our present. And Lord, some of us who have been shackled by past mistakes or things that have been thrown on us. Help us to see that you are real and you're always there and you are a chain breaker that can heal us 
and change us. And would you do that this morning? Lord, you just be about your business. Help us to surrender to you and say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.